Alright, it's going to be a little different tonight. Let's go to Ezekiel. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 33. And I'm going to read in Isaiah chapter 6 a few verses too. Ezekiel chapter 33. Verse 30. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear my words, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. And boy, if that isn't a picture of of what I've seen all my life and still see, they they this. If we read the verses before this and after, you'd see what it's like. Uh, the last verse there says, and when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Now what he's talking about there is what he said before these verses, what all is going to happen to them because they're wicked and they they will not do right. And yet they're the kind of people that are out saying, come to church with me and listen to the preaching. Boy, we got good preaching. And y'all come and hear what he's got to say. Y'all got the picture? That's it right there. That's what they were doing. And God said, they sit before you as my people and they love the preaching, but they just won't do it. That's the problem. You know, we talk about the lack of preaching, but the the real lack is in the doing of it. Let's uh, go over in Isaiah chapter 6. Verses 10 and 12. We read this this morning and it's it's just this thing I've been thinking about and and this just kind of nailed it. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Let's read this. The Bible says here, Make the heart of this people fat. This is God telling Isaiah what to do. He's This is after he saw the Lord high and lifted up. He's trying to fill the temple and he said, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among people of unclean lips. And the angel took a an, uh, coal off the altar and touched his lips. And, and, uh, and then the Lord said, Who will go and, for me? And he said, Here am I, Lord, send me. And then he, this is what the Lord told him to go do. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy. And shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. That'll throw you for a loop if you don't understand. Sounds like God's just telling Isaiah to go and just condemn these people. Then said I, Lord, how long? How long do I keep have to tell them this? He said, and he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord be, have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. You just preach it and you tell it to them. Tell this to them until there's nobody left to tell. 
till they're all gone. Because that's what's fixing to happen to them. Alright, now God sends His messengers to proclaim His truth to the people. You, you can't read the Old Testament or the New Testament and miss that fact. God sends messengers. There's another verse I should have pulled up and had written down here, but God testified. He said, I sent my, my prophets and my people, my messengers daily. And you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't hear. And so now it's on you. God sends messengers. He does. You know, the angel of the church in Revelation in the first three chapters, the angel of the church, that sounds funny, but I mean, what do you think that is? What is an angel? Look it up in the dictionary. What do you see first? A messenger. That's right. It's also a pastor. And I'm not talking about me tonight. I'm just saying this is the way it is. God sends messengers to the people. Every pastor is not a messenger. There's lots of hirelings that are just there to get a paycheck. And if the paycheck ain't there, they're gone. Very few stick it out through a lifetime with the church. <laughs> they're just here two, three years at the most and they're gone somewhere else. A lot of them, not even that much. That's not a messenger from God. A hireling is not a messenger from God. But God does have messengers and He does send them to people. God calls these messengers. They don't come from, uh, they don't come from Bible schools where they're turned out like broom handles like O.B.R. Lakin always said. That's not where they come from. God calls them. They don't call themselves. Mama didn't call them and Daddy didn't call them. God calls them. And God prepares them for this great work. And then He burns into their soul the message that He has for the people of that time. They're messengers for the time in which they live. They're not storytellers. They're not entertainers. They're not so much teachers. They're messengers. They got a message from God. And that's the difference, see? Is it a message from God or is it just something we're just all learning about? It's something all we're all fascinated with or enjoying. Is it something that makes us all feel good? No, a message from God don't usually make people feel good when they're not obeying what they know to be right already. It doesn't make them feel good. Now, the man that God sends, the men that God sends with a message for the people of their generation, they are anointed with the Spirit of God. And so is their message. And there's, that's the grand difference. And you can tell. You can tell. I didn't have to be in church very long, say very long, till I could tell the difference. And I've always been fascinated at people who think, oh, I was good preaching. And I thought, what in the world are you talking What did he say? Tell me something. He said, well, I don't remember, but it was just, you know, good. I've heard preachers, they call them hackers. that just, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and I know preachers, you know, that just scream and holler for 30, 40 minutes. And 
then you can't understand what they're saying. That's as bad as speaking in tongues. Nobody understands what you're saying. It ought to be clear. It ought to be loud. But more than anything, if it's from God, it's going to be anointed with the Spirit of God. There's a big difference between spiritual preaching and just somebody performing. And most churches, most people are satisfied. They're plenty satisfied with just a performance. <laughs> well, you could hire a Hollywood actor and he can perform for you. He can preach for you and act like a preacher if that's all you want. But that's not all we want. What we want, to, what we want is we want to hear from God. That's what we must have. Do you know that God has ever spoken to you? Sitting in the service, listening to preaching. Have you ever heard a message where God just rang your bell and you went away from there different forever? You never forgot it. That, that don't happen every time, does it? No, it don't. Sure don't. The preaching is with power. And it's with spiritual power, not personality power. It's with spiritual power. It's not, with, it's not a, a wordsmith. Who's, it's not oratory power. It's spiritual power. So it's always turned the world up, turned people upside down in their thinking. You know, they think it must be, you must be a good orator. That's not necessary at all. For a messenger that God sends, you have to use good grammar. Baloney. That's just not true. I've read through the ages of different men that God used in a big way. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they're dead and gone. They finished their course. The record is clear. The fruit remained. They were sent by God. And you know what they said of several of them? They were vulgar. Now, back then, that didn't mean profane. That just meant they, were like, they talked like they were uneducated. Some of them were very educated who used that kind of language on purpose so the people could understand what they were talking about. Because yes, they weren't preaching to Harvard graduates. They were preaching to farmers and hillbillies. Yes, sir. That's right. yes. It don't matter how you say it, as long as the message gets through to the heart and mind of the people who are listening. That's right. yes. <clears throat> what Jesus said about John the Baptist. He said, what went you out to the wilderness for to see? You know, somebody dressed in soft raiment? Well, stay in town if you want that. They didn't go out there and find John the Baptist dressed in soft raiment and talking pretty. The preaching is with power. It's with spiritual power. It's what we've been preaching on for a year here. This, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. Yes, sir. The Word of God is preached in the power of God it, with the Spirit's power. It cuts completely through the hearers. It does something. The teaching and lecturing, and all of that don't do. For Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, this is familiar. For the Word of God is quick. That means it's alive. And powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow. That's body and soul and spirit and everything. I mean, it cuts you all to pieces all over you, inside and out. I mean, it penetrates you and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
See, that's the real problem because everybody's got their walls up and they think nobody can see me, nobody knows what I'm thinking, nobody knows. And you think you can keep it all shut out and the Word of God just throws the covers off of you. That's what Finney always said. He said sinners are hiding and he said it's the preacher's job to throw the covers off of them with the preaching. Well, the Holy Ghost does that, not the preacher. As long as the preacher is filled with the Holy Spirit. As long as it's Spirit-filled, Spirit-led preaching, God does all that. The preacher don't do it, believe me. Brother Kenny said here Sunday, you know, that he said to y'all, uh, Brother Mike, don't tell me nothing. Well, we ain't got nothing going on here anyway. What would I tell him? But, you know, <laughs> how many times has that happened through all the years, you know? I've had my own kids that are out of the way come to church, and, and I'm preaching a series. I've been preaching through this book, and, and they just show up out of the blue, and then they go off and say, oh, Dad preached just to me. I mean, I mean, he just... No, I didn't. That was on the slate. I already had it before I even knew you was going to be here. Don't tell me that stuff. You know what's going on. God is dealing with you and you're refusing it. However, the effects are not all the same. When people hear the Word of God, it doesn't affect everybody the same way. This is not a magic potion. It's not something that just has a 100% certain effect on people. You know, if I throw water on you, you'll be wet. That's 100% sure. But if I preach the Word of God to you, that don't mean you're going to repent. Don't mean you're going to break down in tears and repent and come to God. Or draw closer to God in any way. No, it doesn't affect everybody that way. The preaching of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit will cause one person to repent in tears and another to hate God more and to harden his resolve to continue in his sin. That's how it affects people, believe me. That's just how it is. Some people will melt. They'll submit to God when God rings their bell. Others fight like a devil. That's right. Don't think that it's just that all we got to do is just get them under the preaching of the Word of God. No, when you do that, let me tell you how it's going to be. Some will believe. And others will do just like they did with Jesus, take counsel together to figure out how to kill Him. Yes, they heard the same word, same message, the same Spirit's power, and that's how they reacted and responded. That is not God's doing. Now, Isaiah was sent here. That's what God told him. Make the heart of this people fat. Make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. You go preach to them. This is how they're going to respond. Try that on. I mean, how you, would you like to be a preacher with that kind of orders? Go preach to them. It's going to make hell hotter for them. That's right. That's not God's doing. That's the rebellion of a darkened heart and mind that has believed lies about God, believed lies about Himself, and believed guys about, lies about the people of God. That response is because of that right there. It's not because God did something to them to harden their heart. Don't ever think that God is that way or that that's God's doing. You'll hear some people from time to time say things like, 
God's mercy just ran out for him. Or God just had no more patience with him. God was done with him. He crossed that line. Well, that's not truth. Amen. That's a lie about Amen. God. The truth about the matter is that God's mercy never runs out. Psalm 100 verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. Psalm 103 verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. There's no end to it. It's renewed every morning. It never runs out. God is ever merciful. He never says, that's it. I'm fed up. I can't take it anymore. Send him to hell. That's not God. That's not God. The problem with people is that the truth about the matter is that God doesn't ever run out of mercy. God's patience never ends either. Exodus 34 verse 6, And the Lord passed by before him, Moses, and proclaimed... This is what the Lord proclaimed as He passed by Moses. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. His patience doesn't run out. We say that. Our president said that. Patience wearing thin. God's patience don't wear thin. God's ever merciful. He's long-suffering but thou, Psalm 86 verse 15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slight concerning His promises. Some men count slightness, but is long-suffering to usward. You all know what that means? Long-suffering. I mean, He just, He waits and He waits and He waits. There's not a one of us in here who are saved that would wait as long for somebody else as God waited for us. Not long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish. Any. Any. God don't want anybody to go to hell. He don't want anybody to perish. But that all should come to repentance. So God's not going to just strike somebody off arbitrarily because He's tired of messing with him. That is not God. That's not how this deal works. God's never, God never gives one over or gives one up until that person has shut God out of his mind and heart so tightly that there is no more hope of shining a light into his soul. Now, we don't know that. We don't know where that is in another person. Because we can't see into the heart of another person. But God can. Just don't forget who we're talking about here. God. He knows our thoughts are far off. I mean, His ways are much higher than our ways. And His thoughts are above our thoughts. As the heavens are above the earth. So, so He knows. He knows when a person is done with Him. Not going to have any more to do with Him. He knows when He is not going to turn. God's a just God. Trying to stay on topic here. God saves sinners by the preaching of His Word. Now that's just the way it is. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. Now that's the Bible. That's how it is. It's not singing. It's not all this other stuff. God don't use anything else. He uses the preaching of His Word. 
God saves sinners by the preaching of His Word, not by some new, uh, some supernatural experience that's custom designed for each individual. A lot of people I've talked to through the years, that's what they, they're waiting on God to do something special for them. The Word of God and the promises of God and the Gospel is not enough for them. They need something else. You know, they need some spiritual experience. They need to feel something going up and down their spine. They need to see a spirit or see a ghost or see Jesus float down on their bed or something. I've seen, I've had people tell me that. But it's not done that way. Romans 10 verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Boy, we've heard that a lot, haven't we? How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's what I said in the very beginning of this. That's why God sends messengers. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Sent by who? God. Not men. Men don't send preachers. They try to. You know, they pretend that they do. They make a show of it, but I've seen lots of guys ordained that couldn't preach a lick and never did their whole life. Not God. They weren't God sent. You can tell by the way that the 45 years has played out. Wait a minute. You say, you're just mean. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. There's a difference. They're sent by God. As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For as Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? <laughs> so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So that's how people get saved. Through the preaching of the word of God. It's the only means by which God deals with and saves sinful men and women. Why is there... So little salvation happening in our day because there's very little preaching going on in our day. And there's very little listening to preaching going on in our day. you got to hear. I've been in this a while. And here's what I've seen. You know, knocking doors, running buses, visiting people all the time. And all of these 45 years, you know the ones that I know who are in church and been in church since they got saved? You know, you know how they got saved? You know how it happened with them? Now, I've got a little experience here. They started coming to church. And they sat there long enough for God to deal with them through the preaching of the Word of God. And when it happened, they got born again. They didn't just make a little profession and go on in their sin. Yeah. And they stayed in church and they're still in church. And they're still living for God and they still believe in God more than they did back then. That's how it works. Because that's what God uses to save sinners is the preaching of the Word of God. Boy, people don't react to it. All people don't react to it well. In fact, most people react to it very negatively. So, it's not by science that we, people get saved. It's interesting to read all the apologetics and all of that stuff, and, but that's not going to get people saved. You hear me? That ain't going to get people saved. You're not going to intellectually reason with them into salvation. 
It's the Word of God. It is a supernatural thing that God does through the preaching of His Word to birth somebody into the kingdom of God. It's not something that you just learn. It's not new knowledge that you acquire or that somebody crams down your throat. And it's not by supernatural or spiritual experiences either that people get saved. They get saved by hearing the Word of God. The truth. The truth about sin. About their own sinful soul. About the end result of all this. About what God has done about sinful man to redeem him. That's what gets people saved. Hearing the preaching of the cross and the atonement like it is in the Word of God instead of the doctrines of men. So the issue is, what happens when we hear a man who's sent from God with a message from God for us and the Spirit of God bears witness that it's from God? Well, you're in a, you're in a tight. When you hear somebody preach, And the Spirit of God bears witness to the truth. And there you sit. You're you're in a tie. That's why people don't want to come to a church where there's any kind of preaching going on. If you're going to have a concert, they'll come. If you're going to have singing, they'll come. If you're going to have a dinner, they'll come. Yeah, a movie night. Or, you know, if you're just going to have good fellowship, they'll come for that. But let a let somebody that God has sent, empowered by the Spirit, prepared with a message from God. Well, it's the most wonderful thing that we experience in this life. If your heart is right and submitted to God. If you're a rebellious sinner, it's the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you realize... Where where would you go if you were a sinner right now? Where would you go to hear the Word of God? The message from God. Where would you go? Hmm? In this area. Where would you go? You know? It's not about just being happy. Happy, happy, happy. You know, the preacher's supposed to be happy, happy, happy. So his happiness just bubbles over and makes everybody happy. And so they all go home happy just being around the bubbly preacher for a while with his happiness. That's what they think. They've been to church. And everybody likes that and everybody will go for that. But that's just exactly how it was with the false prophets in the Old Testament. They said, peace, peace. When there was no peace. They told them lies. They, they told them smooth words because that's what the people wanted to hear. And it, it secured their paycheck and their living and their place in society. <clears throat> just like it does now. Yeah, just like it does now. I've always been a nonconformist because it just what, if it's right, it's right. And if it's not right with this book, it's just not right. And I just can't swallow it. I can't bail in with the rest of them. I just can't. Not, you leave God out if you do. And I've just never been willing to do that. 
I've watched all of my contemporaries, all of them, almost all of them, bail on righteousness and what's right. I've said it to the other folks here a lot of times, but when I was ordained, they asked me questions about standards and things that if I would have answered them wrong, they wouldn't have ordained me. And the people who asked me those questions, later on, you know, they abandoned all those standards that they held me to. They all abandoned them. That's true. Yes, sir. And then they didn't like me. They would they wouldn't look me in the eye when I'd meet them out in public. And it wasn't because I was mean to them or unfriendly with them. It's just wrong. It's not worth it. It's not worth money. It's not worth what people think of you. And that's just the way that it was with Isaiah, Ezekiel, all the rest of them in here. Jeremiah. They all had the same situation in the same kind of world. <clears throat> so, what happens when we hear a message that, we, that has been sent to us from God and the Spirit bears witness? The answer, answer is very simple. We either hear and perceive. All right, on all of our preaching about spiritual warfare, what, and we talked about the mind and all of that and the thought process and all that. Somebody tell me what perceive means. Some of you that heard it. It's real simple. It means, well, it means to take a hold of. When you, you hear something, you think about it, and when you perceive it, that means you got it. So, we either hear, perceive, understand, and obey the message, or we refuse to listen, we refuse to consider, we refuse to try to understand, or to obey what we've heard. Now, that's how it is. You either hear it, you understand it, you perceive it, and you rejoice about it and you obey it. Or else you just reject the whole thing and get harder and harder. <clears throat> what does it mean the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart? You think God just went and made his heart harder? Without any of, any of Pharaoh's input? I mean, God just did something to Pharaoh to make him so he couldn't believe. Come on! Pharaoh's hard heart, his rebellion, his hatred toward righteousness and God hardened his heart. God gave an order, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? You know what's going to happen to a guy like that? You know what's going to happen to somebody that sits in the church and hears preaching like this and then says, no. Same thing happened to Pharaoh. You're going to get to where you can't hear and you can't understand. Right. Yes, sir. No matter how hard you try, you've blinded your mind and your heart and you've, you've become dark inside. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the burden of every man who's sent by God with a message for the people of, the, of his day. A lot of preachers get discouraged because it seems that the truths they're preaching seem to do no good. You think I haven't thought about that a lot of times? Where is it going? Why don't it do any good? Everybody says, that's good preaching. Everybody says, boy, that's right. That is the way it is. That's the truth. 
<laughs> but then they're going to keep on doing what they're doing anyway. Same old spirit, same old habits, same old interests in the world, and the covetousness, just like what here. You hear truths, especially all this spiritual stuff we've been talking about. It's been the most helpful thing to you that to me it has. It would be to you too. Yes, if you would believe it and apply, apply it. Yes. Obey what you've heard. It's the most discouraging thing for preachers. You know, Isaiah said, who hath believed our report? So I've been a preaching for four generations of kings here. All my life. And what good has it done? Well, you know, preacher this man too. So he's if he if he don't keep his mind straight, that's he'll get thinking like that too. Because the devil get on his shoulder and said, "Look, you ain't doing no good now. Ain't nobody." They they smile at you and they say, "Amen," but they're not doing a thing. They don't believe nothing you said because they're not doing it. In fact, well, I mean, I'll get ahead of myself here, but let me just. A lot of preachers get discouraged because it seems the truths they're preaching don't seem to do any good and there's precious little evidence in the people they're preaching to that they're receiving and heeding anything that God's given him for them. Very little evidence. But even more discouraging is to see people going farther away from God and becoming more worldly and sinful and wicked while they're smiling and saying amen during the preaching. That was Ezekiel's lot. That was Isaiah's lot. That was Jeremiah's lot, as well as the rest of every man that's ever come with a message from God. Zechariah chapter 7, verses 8 through 12. And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, All right, now see here, God has a message for these people. He's telling a man who's already prepared, and he's sending him to these people. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassions every man to his brother. Have you ever heard such hard preaching as that? Why don't you all just do right and be kind to one another and quit cheating and lying and stealing and all the rest of it? Execute true judgment. Be fair. Show mercy and compassions every man to his brother. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Now what are you going to do with people like that? Hmm? What do you do if your kids did that? What if you said, listen to me, and they just put your fingers in their ear and said, I don't know, I don't <laughs> Yes. So what do you think God's going to do? How do you think he's going to respond to people who do like that? When he sends them in mercy, daily, pleading and reasoning. First chapter of Isaiah, come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. But nope, they turned, stopped their ears, they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in His Spirit by the former prophets, therefore came their great wrath from the Lord of hosts. See? The Bible's full of it. 
The fact is that if the preaching of the Word of God doesn't make you better, it's going to make you worse. That's how it is. You didn't think about that. That is a serious deal right there that is very true. If you don't hear and seek to understand and perceive and obey, you will rebel more and more. That goes for everybody here. Everybody here. That's just how it is. That's how it's going to work in your life. If you listen, receive, and obey what God tells you, not what I tell you. You know, when I, I found this out a long time ago too. When I'm preaching, or anybody else is preaching, when I'm sitting listening to somebody else preach, a lot of times it's not even what he's preaching about that God speaks to me about. Right. Yes, sir. Somewhere in the message, he'll say something and it's just like, oh. and it just takes me away. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. It's not what I've designed to give you tonight. It's what God says to your heart through the preaching of the Word. See, the Spirit of God does that. The preacher can't do that. If the preacher, the preacher that tries to do that is going to make a terrible mess. If he eyeballs everybody and says, I know what's wrong with them and him and her and him, and I'm going to get them, I'm going to, I'm going to straighten them out. I'm going to write this sermon out, and I'm going to address it to them. But I ain't going to tell them about it. It's not going to work. Because <laughs> they'll pick up right now. That's from him. Now, a sinner that is convicted by the Spirit of God may try to accuse that of him, but they know better in here. They know better. This is exactly why. You know, if you don't, if it's going to make you, if it doesn't make you better, it's going to make you worse. That's exactly why we see children of good families living so wickedly. Everybody responds to the gospel, and everybody responds on their own. I can't make you respond, see? If I could, I would. So everybody be right. So everybody be saved. So everybody be, we'd be well with everybody, but I can't make somebody. And you can't make your children either. You can make them do everything. You can make them walk the line. and You can make them dress so-so and all of this. But when they get to a certain point, they're going to make a choice. And it's how they respond to the Word of God. And the only influence you've got about that is how you respond to the Word of God and what they see you responding to the Word of God. These people were all standing around and up against the wall in their doors of their houses talking about the preacher. Yes. <laughs> and children hear that stuff. They hear mom and dad when they go home and say, well, I'll tell you what, I just don't know about what he said there. I'll tell you right now. Picking and choosing what you believe or receive. Or... Yep. Yep. <laughs> Better off not say nothing. Yes. I've learned that too. And maybe I don't agree with something he said. But I'd be better off just keep my mouth shut. Keep it to myself. You know what I've learned through life? So far, I've found out that a lot of those things that I went home thinking, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's right found out later it was right I just didn't understand so I've learned to keep my mouth shut even to myself just wait good advice right there that was free
This is why we see people make a profession of faith and start coming to church and then after a while cut a trail to the world to live more wicked than they ever were before. That's why. That's why. They get in church and they start listening and they start responding to something. If the heart's not yielded to God, I mean log, stock, and barrel, they're going to rebel against the Word of God. And they're going to be worse than they were before. This is the answer to what I've always wondered about people who sit in church for years and then start drifting and taken back up with their old worldly ways and companionships. I've watched that happen so many times and I've always thought, how can they do that? What in the world? How can you sit here hearing the same thing I'm hearing and then just just drift out, float away, right back out into the swamp? What? Well, they're responding to the Word of God. That's what they're doing. They're just doing it in a more subtle, calm, uh, yeah, yeah, passive way, so that they don't stir up a bunch of trouble. Some of them will just throw a big hissy fit and cause a big stink before they leave, and some of them will just sneak out. But it's the same reason. It's the word of God. And while I'm saying this, I know, man, I know that everything is such a mess. And I've seen churches where I'd have left too, you know, because the preacher was like Seth said here a few weeks ago in Sunday school, Adolf Hitler. They had Adolf Hitler for a preacher, you know. There's so much wrong. I know, I'm not just putting this as a blanket thing for, you know, I'm, I'm saying if you, you can tell the difference between spirit-filled preaching and a messenger from God and a message from God than some hireling or some Adolf Hitler. Surely you can tell the difference. If you can't, you, you need to get you some discernment. The Spirit-filled preaching of the Word of God is not a guarantee that those who hear it will be saved. Judas sat at the feet of Jesus for three years and went to hell. And not just Judas, there was... How many of you think of those multitudes that he fed and healed and sat around him and listened and followed him around? A bunch of them. There's few. He said it. He said few. Straight the gate and out of the way. that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Most people are going to go to hell. And the universal reason is they would not listen and understand and obey. They refused to. The Spirit-filled preaching of the Word. A lot of people will become worse than they were before they heard it. It's not a guarantee that, that you'll be saved. I mean... That's why I balk at these things and always have. I mean, I used to when I didn't have hardly any understanding at all. I would think, you know, somebody tell me they went and preached somewhere and so many hundred of people got saved. I'd think, I don't know about that. Well, I know about it now. That's a lie. Yes, sir. And it's not the way it happens. No, sir. It's water to the soul that's thirsting after righteousness. Spirit-filled preaching. A message from God. To hear from God. I've been in a lot of services and people go away, you know, say, boy, we heard from God tonight. 
There's a difference between really hearing from God and just having a good service where everybody felt good when we left. That's true. If you shout a little, laugh a little, cry a little, everybody thinks God visited. No, that's not necessarily true at all. If God visits, there'll be a holy hush. That's the, that's the most common, most sure atmosphere that you'll find in a place where God is really manifesting Himself. It's water, like water to a soul that's thirsting after righteousness, but it's bitterness and gall for the soul that's self-seeking and self-pitying and self-absorbed. They hate the Word of God, the preaching of it, because it nails them to the wall. Nobody likes being told what's wrong with them or shown what's wrong with them. And they don't like it when the Holy Ghost does it for them either. They get as mad at God as they would at me. If I said, I can tell you what's wrong with you. People don't like that. It's bread from heaven for the hungry soul, but it's a reproach and an offense to that soul that is not submitted to God and still in love with sin in the world. Beware. I'll say these things and then we'll quit. Beware how you respond to the preaching of the Word of God as well as what you read in the Word of God yourself. You ought to respect the preaching of the Word of God no matter who's doing it. I've said some harsh things about hirelings and all of that, but there was a prophet in the Bible that God used a donkey to talk to. Yes, sir. And if God can use a donkey, He can use just about anything. The deal is, you supposed to hear from God. That's, that's what the deal is. When, they, when the disciples came to Jesus, they said, there's this bunch over here and they're preaching in your name, but they're not following us. You want us to stop them? He said, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Paul said uh, the same sort of thing. He said, no matter what, he said the gospel's preached. Let God take care of that. And that's what's important, isn't it? Be careful how you respond to the preaching of the God, uh, Word of God as well as what you read in the Word of God yourself. And I hope you read. But that's just another issue. People do not read. If everybody here knew how much everybody else read since Sunday in your Bible, yeah. you'd hang your head in shame. Most people don't even pick it up, let alone. And if they do, it's just rush through a, a few verses, a chapter, a proverb or something, and so you can tell your conscience, I read the Bible today. I did not, I'm not one of them don't read, I read. <laughs> but do you study your Bible? Do you look for answers and understanding? Do you strive? To get understanding from the Word of God and know it. If you do, it'll be coming out of here. When we talk, when we fellowship, that's what'll come out of you instead of all everything about all of life. Jeremiah 44, let me read these scriptures. 44, 16, 17. Listen to this. This is what the people said to Jeremiah. As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. <laughs> But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth. 
to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. He said, we're not listening to you. We've always done it this way. All of our leaders do it this way. And as long as we've done it this way, everything's been fine. We're not listening to you. And, and, it, and the message from God is that this place is going to be raised to the ground. It's going to be desolate. And there's not going to be nobody left. God's going to swipe this thing clean. You're going to die the sword. And you're going to die of famine. And you're going to die the pestilence. All of you. Because you won't serve God. And they say, we ain't listening to you. Here we are. The world's burning down. I mean... The whole thing's about to blow up and everybody knows it. Saved or lost, ungodly or godly. Everybody knows it. And all the preaching and everybody just goes, <laughs> i got to get home and get me a sandwich. I'm hungry. No matter what's going on, what's being said, we ain't worried about it. Believe what God says without regard for the circumstances. But see, as long as your belly's full and your bank account's okay and the bills are paid and you got a job and everybody's okay and not sick and you ain't got COVID, everything's wonderful. No worries. We don't have to seek God. Don't read the Bible. Don't pray. Don't think about nothing. Only just... What can I buy with this extra money I got? Believe what God says without regard for the circumstances. When they say peace and safety, then what's going to come on them? Sudden destruction. Just when you think everything's okay. Do not be one of those like these in Israel long ago who made up their own minds about what was right and wrong. So we're not listening to you. They did it to Jeremiah. There. Stopped their ears. It, it says that more than once. They turned their back. They stopped their ears. They refused to listen. To Jeremiah, to Isaiah, to Ezekiel. Be honest and recognize when God is speaking to hearts with His truth. There's a great difference between spiritual preaching and intellectual speech making. There's a great difference between spiritual preaching of the Word of God and someone working to give you your weekly emotional high by telling you stories and stuff. And entertaining you. Jokes and... A lot of preachers tell jokes. Can you imagine Jesus telling a joke before he gave a sermon? Huh? Does that sound kind of out of place? Very much. <laughs> I've known a lot of them. My, my. They'd start, they'd spend the first five minutes telling jokes. Have everybody just rolling in the floor, laughing. Then we're going to preach the Word of God. Know a lot of preachers too that when it does, when God, if God does get to speaking, they tell a joke to lighten things up, they say. I had a guy tell me one time he'd been a pro he'd been cussing and using God's name in vain and everything. That's I said, Hey, you know, what about God and and everything? he told me he had cancer and he'd almost died, but God let him live and I said, Well what about that? I said, You, you God gave you fifteen these many years, whatever it was and I said, you, what have you done for him? Oh, I go to church, he said, I and then he went to tell me all about his church life and their building program. Everything else. 
And that's what he said. He said, I really like our preacher because he said, if it gets kind of heavy, he said, he'll just crack a joke and that just lightens everything up and everybody's smiling again. Yeah, I'm sure that's the way Jesus preached. I bet John the Baptist did that too. Because, you know, surely he learned that in school somewhere. Can't be too hard on people. That's the difference between spirit-filled preaching and just plain old intellectual junk. Spirit-filled preaching will deal with hearts. Won't be that way. Great deal of difference. All right. Strive. Just listen to me. Got just three, a few more points here. Now I'm going to say them quickly. Strive. You know what that means? Work at it. I mean, press it. Jesus said, "Strive to enter in," because many are seek to enter in and not be able. So strive. That don't sound like it's easy as joining the Boy Scouts. I heard one preacher say that. Strive, therefore, to enter in. Strive to listen for what God has to say to you every time you come to church. Y'all hear me? Very important. Sit there, and maybe you don't like me. That's okay. But I'm here as a representative of God because God put me here. And whatever I've got to say has been a long time in the making, in the preparation. It's not something that just came to me yesterday. God prepares those He sends. So that's another thing that ought to sober your mind up. When you're hearing from somebody who's God, who's, who God has sent, you know this has been something been planned and prepared for a long time. It's not something just happenstance. It's not just another roll of the dice tonight. Strive to listen for what God has to say to you every time you come to church. Everybody's got their own problems, their own jobs, their own lives, and all their struggles and everything. You need something that somebody else don't need. God can take care of both of you in the same message. It ain't got anything to do with either one of your struggles. If you just listen, God will help you. He's got something for you. That's why it's so bad to miss. Because whatever He had for you, you missed it. Strive to understand what the preacher's trying to get across to you. Even if you don't like what he's saying, try to understand. You hear me? Yes. Strive to perceive the message from God. I mean, get a hold of it. That means to take a hold of and to keep. Try, strive to obey and apply to your life what God shows you. That's most important through the preaching of the Word of God. If, it, if you don't apply it. If we just have a message and it's just some high and lofty intellectual dancing, it doesn't do you any practical good in your practical everyday life. Preaching ought to be the kind of preaching that you can apply to your life that will make a difference tomorrow in your life. Make you able to cope with things. People need it so bad. They need it so bad. <clears throat> These are the things, you know. <clears throat> I looked there the other morning. I saw two posts in a row. Men, pray for me. I'm struggling with anxiety. Yeah. I told her, I said, men used to fight dragons. Now they fight anxiety. <laughs> right. 
They need, they need something more than pills. They need something more than prayers. They need the Word of God. They need a reality in their life of God. Yes, sir. That's true. Either they're not hearing it or they're not listening to what they're hearing. Right. Something, there's a disconnect somewhere. It's not getting where it needs to get. You get a message from God, God will give you what you need to make you a man or a woman and fulfill your purpose and your role in this whole deal here. Strive to obey and apply to your life what God shows you. Never make light of or shrug off what is preached or something as something you don't agree with or don't like. You ought to write that down. You ought to have it in your pocket so you can pull that out and read it every now and then. You better not make light of the preaching of God's Word. Even if it's something you don't agree with. Maybe you don't understand. That's right. Hmm? It could be a preacher who's just full of himself and thinks he knows something he's, and he's wrong. Preachers can be wrong. I've been wrong before. But the older you get, the less you ought to be wrong. That's one thing about getting old. I mean, you do learn some things. And you learn to be careful about things you say very dogmatically. I said things dogmatically when I was young that I had no idea what I was talking about. Makes you a fool. Yes, sir. Speak the truth. When you know something's right, stand by it. Never make light. Be wise enough and humble enough to understand that you, as well as all the rest of us, are still learning and in need of being taught of God. We all need it. I still need it. I need to listen. I like to have somebody that'll preach come in and preach sometime so I can listen. Helps me. I appreciate Brother Kenny this Sunday. He was he was on topic, you know, we talked about it and he was he's having to struggle because of he just having trouble remembering and stuff since all that happened, but the struggle, she said it, but it's true. The struggle is good for him. Makes him sharper. That's the way it works for all of us. <clears throat> And it helps me. Be wise enough and humble enough to understand that you still need to learn. We've not arrived. We don't know it all. I'm in need of hearing from God. Every how it comes. Be Be a part. Be a part of that remnant that listens and believes and understands and loves and obeys the Word of God. That last verse in Isaiah there, I'm not there so I can't read it, but that's what he... He talked about the remnant... In spite of all of that, there was a remnant. There always is. There's a remnant of God. And in the last verse there, chapter 6, he talks about the remnant is like the, the sap in the tree. The tree loses its leaves. That's what we're watching happen here. But the sap's still there. And the, sap, the holy seed is like the sap of the trees. That's what he's talking about in that last verse. Uh, everything's gone. Pretty soon all these trees are going to be bare. It's going to look like they're dead. No leaves. All leaves are going to fall in the yard and then we're going to have to do something with them. But, but the tree's going to stand there all winter and you'll think, it's lifeless. But next spring, the sap's going to come up and the leaves are going to come out and everything's going to be fresh and beautiful again. And that's just how it works in this world. Wickedness destroys everything. 
And it just has to be wiped clean. But there's a remnant. God don't ever wipe it all clean. He saves His people. He reserves them, preserves them, protects them. He removes them before He judges or He protects them in the judgment. And they're the, they're the, they're the hope of, the, of anything new, of new life. Alright, I'll quit. As you might suspect, I could go on, but you and I are both tired. So It's very important. It's just an important matter that I know it's not popular and it's not a thing that most people consider or believe anymore because iniquity abounds and the love of many is waxed cold and because there's so much deceit and so many phonies and we've just been everything's just been so watered down that people are afraid to believe it anymore this way it's not exalting a man or making a man somebody other than the fact that God called him prepared him and sent him to give you a message and me a message and and if we would just get a hold of that and believe that and res- regard it and respect it, then our lives could be changed. You could hear from God a lot more often than you are hearing from God. Amen. Father, thank You for the Word of God. And thank You for the truths that we've talked about here tonight. I pray, Lord, it would help us all in this matter. It's so grievous. Yeah. When people hear the Word of God, hear the message of God, but it has no effect. It's disastrous is what it is. It's a tragedy because it makes them worse than they were before. It had been better if they would never heard than to hear and to disobey, to reject it. Lord, help us not to do that tonight. Pray there wouldn't be one soul in this crowd tonight or anybody that listened to this elsewhere that would that would not heed the Word of God. Lord, help us to put it in its rightful place, high and lifted up in our lives and minds. The utmost important is what You say to us through Your Word that's brought by the messenger You send to us. Lord, help us. Lord, to receive this tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.